This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hi, and welcome to the SteelerNation.com podcast, sponsored by Stony Brewing, the official brew of Steeler Nation tailgates everywhere. Pure, honest beer. I'm your host, G. Stryker, and with me is our Steeler insider, Brad Lambert. Brad, how are you holding up this week after witnessing, dare I say, an actual big win? I mean, you can't get much better than that. Uh, the week following a win like that is generally pretty good. So let's see uh, if they can stack some wins starting on Sunday. Yeah, that's definitely what the Steelers need to start doing, especially when we're coming up on a three-game run here against three straight divisional opponents. You run the table there, you got a shot of going worst to first in the division. So these are all important games coming up. Now, I know since we did so well in the game yesterday, I think it's good that we start giving out some uh, game balls. Brad, three game balls for Sunday for what you saw and what you really enjoyed seeing out of them. I want to start with Joe Hayden. Mm. Uh, this guy locked down Julio Jones. Shut for, down. I'd say... Yeah. 90% of the game. I mean, he got a few catches in garbage time, but Joe followed him all game and shut down arguably one of the best receivers in the NFL. And uh, that's probably the first time in a while where Joe has shadowed someone. And uh, to be honest, I hope the Steelers defense uh, schemes something similar this weekend versus A.J. Green because what we just saw from Joe, uh, he is still a premier corner in this league. And uh, we could use him on Sunday to stick with A.J. and shut him down. You are right. And that is amazing, too, that he was able to shut down. Julio Jones was leading the league in yardage coming into that game. And you're right. He didn't get a, a catch until the Steelers were done playing. I mean, they were already up by three scores at that point. There's no point to really scheme and, and, and work too hard. You're just trying to kill clock at that point. So they were passing him off to different people. And that's when he started getting some catches. But uh, that's awesome. So name another game ball here for me. I mean, T.J. Watt. <laughs> what? Force fumbles <laughs> that led to a touchdown by L.J. Fort. Mm -hmm. I mean, the guy is a monster. Um, he's, you know, tied with his brother, J.J., down in Houston right now in sacks. And they almost have identical stats right now, which is kind of bizarre. That's um, insane. But uh, T.J. really, really bounced back after uh, a few weeks of him just kind of uh, I don't want to say disappearing, but he was very quiet the last few games. So it was good to see him bounce back and uh, do so with a vengeance. So he gets my second game ball. Nice. And they're also up there for the league leads in uh, tackles for loss. I know his brother has seven and TJ's got six. And the, he, he's yep. just making a difference. I mean, he's really he, he's utilizing all of his strengths. He, he's got many different technique and pass rush moves, and he's – Taking his his motor is so high. Even when a play looks like he's not going to get there, he's going to keep on working. Now that they, like you're saying, having Hayden back there too, he's getting a little bit extra time. Bam, he's hitting the quarterback. I mean, it's great to watch. 
Yeah, we need a we need a playmaker off the edge like that consistently. So looks like TJ is the guy right now. Nice, and we finally got one. So Brad, who's your number three game ball? I mean, it would be silly not to give one to James Conner, no? <laughs> right. <laughs> Epic. I mean, game. Uh, just from the uh, offset of the game, man, he just catching passes out of the backfield, making people miss running with authority and as Tomlin likes to say, imposing his will on the other team. I mean, he, he you know, I don't want to say be one of those fans that's like, oh, I look like Jerome Bettis, but man, he was running with authority. He was running with a sense of physicality and he was trying to, you know, truck and just destroy the defenders. And I think they had like what, twelve tackles just on James Connor alone. Wow. I mean just I, remember, I know the one play yeah, I, I tracked on that catch and run, he had six. He was doing his his best yeah. impression of, of beast mode, man. He was just, and people were just shedding off of him, and they were hitting him solid, too. And he's running through wraps. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's an amazing, amazing play. You're talking about the third and long screen, right? Yes, I am. Yeah, just a phenomenal play by him. And, I mean, he got in the end zone twice, and when he jumped over the top on the goal line, that was a phenomenal athletic play by him. Um, it's just that's the kind of game we want out of James, especially moving forward in the season. So um, I think that was a nice confidence booster for him, uh, the O-line, and just the offense as a whole because you saw how it opened up the passing game. Yeah. Um, and Ben didn't have to throw the ball 70 times like the previous week. So Nice. Um, yeah, so James Conner gets my third game ball. Nice. Well, I like to spread the ball around, so I don't want to match up what you said for your game balls, but for me – I've got three game balls to give out as well. My third game ball, I, I'm going to give out to somebody that we've been just killing all year. Just, I mean, Steeler fans have just been, you know, really, really upset at his performance. And, and I've got to give that game ball to, uh, to, to Barry. I mean, Barry's punting in that game was exceptional. His long punting, yep. his hang time, and his coffin kicks. I mean, he was money. Uh, he was up over 47 yards and average, which isn't usually what he's kicking for. We're usually kicking on short fields, uh, but he was flipping fields in that game. Uh, there was no returns. I mean, even when they were attempting to return the punts, Steelers coverage was there and, you know, they can't go anywhere. And it's just an amazing job. And I have to give him some recognition, especially with as much adversity as he's been taking so far this season. He just hasn't had any consistency, but he killed it last game. And uh, that's my, what we need out of him. Yeah, we do. We definitely do. My, my second game ball, I'm also going special teams, but also because of his the way he really, really punched it in, in on offense as well. Rosie Nix, man. The way he cut up <laughs> the middle on that punt block. I mean, the guy, he was wearing that guy as a necklace when he came through and took that ball off his foot. I mean, that was an amazing effort play where he slashed up and he used utilized all of his of his quickness and explosion and strength and just manhandled that guy got he won the leverage and he got to the kicker before he could get that punt off his foot that was just an amazing amazing play and I also have to give him credit for his his blocking I mean kudos to the coaches hey let's have more of a balanced attack let's put the fullback in there and man was he killing people coming out of the backfield giving Connor some room to roam man I loved the fact that they were committed to the run and they were actually throwing Rosie Nix on the field. So he was making an impact both on offense and special teams. Whereas the last couple of weeks, I mean, he was really only getting an impact on special teams. So kudos and game ball to Rosie, Rosie. Nix. <laughs> yeah, Rosie's a beast, man. He is, uh, he's been consistently one of the best 
special teamers in this league. Uh, he proved that again on Sunday. And, uh, you know, over the last few years, he's been one of the best fullbacks in the league. So, um, you know, credit to Rosie. He deserves that for sure. And my final game ball, my number one game ball for this week, goes to the guy coming back off an of injury, making the biggest difference in the game on defense, Mike Hilton, man. Coming back with that arm brace after being out for a week, he really is a difference maker when he's in there. He's getting pressure on the quarterback consistently when he blitzes. Even if he's not getting there, he's either forcing the quarterback to read and move in the pocket, get tackled by someone else, or if he's not going to get there, he's spinning back around and he's coming out to, to you know take the running back out of the backfield to make sure that short flat is taken away. Plus, he's downfield defending passes like he normally does and making tackles. I mean, this guy is all over the field. Yeah, it, it, it's hard to not like Mike Hilton, man, the, what he brings to the defense. I mean, he's one of the best uh, timing blitz corners out there. Um, he kind of reminds me of Troy, how he kind of times the staff count perfectly and yeah. gets off the edge and in behind the, the blockers quickly. And, you know, as far as tackling goes, I think he's probably our best tackler in, uh, on the defense. I wow. mean, he's... Uh, you know, very assuring when, you know, someone's running up and you're like, oh, one-on-one with Mike Hilton, you, you pretty much take that to the bank that he's going to make that tackle. So having a guy like that who is uh, who opposing offenses have to, you know, take into consideration when they're planning and scheming because he is that much of a difference maker for us. So uh, awesome credit there for uh, game ball. So nice job. One thing, he's my favorite player now on defense. He really is. And, I always scream this at the TV because I'm a little crazy and unhinged, but every time he makes a big play, I always scream, no vacancy at the Hilton because, man, he's shutting it down and not letting anybody inside. I love that guy. So let's start talking about the game, man. Uh, we can start off on offense. I was surprised on how balanced the attack was in that game. I mean, we had 29 plays apiece, both rushing and and passing, especially thanks to Josh Dobbs making a cameo at the end of the game to get that kneel down to make sure we were 29 and 29. I mean, it, kudos to the coaches, and I loved seeing a balanced attack. What did you see? Well, like you said, it was a very balanced attack. I think they stuck with the run, where in previous weeks they uh, kind of abandoned it because they were down early. So it kind of helps, you know, when you're scheming and playing that you're not down 21 nothing or 14 nothing in the first quarter. You can actually stick with the run game, choose the clock, and, you know, impose your will on the opposing team. So um, I I love the game plan. They executed it perfectly. Credit to the O-line, James Conner. Yeah. Ben had a good game. Missed yep. a few throws, but overall was good. Yep. And uh, it was nice to see A.B. look like A.B. again. So uh, hopefully that quote-unquote Wi-Fi connection continues this week for Cincinnati. I was happy also to see A.B. finally get into a total game. It felt like he was more comfortable. He was running his long routes. He was running his short routes. He and Ben were on the same page for most of that game, and I really liked that exchange right before his first touchdown on the quick out to the pylon to the right. They tried running that play two plays before, exact same play, and Ben just missed the throw. He was a little off. He was a little high on that. But they came right back to it, and bang, it was a touchdown. So, you know, kudos to Ben and, and A.B. getting communication on that play to realize, hey, that play's going to work. Let's run it again and uh, and, and making that work. Uh, I also like O-line, like you're saying, they did a great job. Pouncey had a great pull on one of, on Connor's biggest run of the night to the right. Came out and just slammed the edge uh, on the on the defensive end trying to trying to come down inside. Also to Castro, it's great to see him swinging around and pulling again too. So great to see the offensive line get excited 
and really get to play to their strengths in a game like that. We needed the O-line to find their swagger, and they certainly did on Sunday. Well, they can use it again for this week. Now, on the defensive side of the football, yeah, I know we have the killer bees on offense, but I've got to start pimping Triple H on defense, man. We've got Hilton, we've got Hayden, and we've got Hayward making plays all over the field. And those three guys together, man, you get to see how special and athletic this defense is once you start having defenders helping out, the secondary helping out, the defensive line to get in there and, and get that little extra time to get to the quarterback. And sometimes you got the defensive line getting in there quicker, helping out the secondary down the field. Yeah, we, we already talked about uh, Joe Hayden and Mike Hilton, how yeah. they played really, really well on Sunday. But off of Cam Hayward, man, that one sack he had, he absolutely yeah. manhandled the linemen, drove him right back into the quarterback. And Matt Ryan was just totally baffled because he had snapped the ball, you know, looked down, looked up, and he was going down. So just a great play by Cam. And uh, we need a lot out of Tewitt and Hayward. And uh, they both looked really, really good on Sunday. And I think that also helped out the younger guys in the secondary as well. From from what I was seeing, like Burns was playing well. Uh, Edmonds, he was making tackles. He was keeping people short of the sticks. He was making uh, tackles immediately at the point of catch, which was nice to see, especially when the Steelers were working in some plays where the slot corner would be blitzing in in Hilton and Edmonds would be coming in from the secondary uh, safety spot down on that slot receiver the play would go right to that open slot receiver and bam he's getting hit by Edmonds so it's nice to see them starting to make some plays as well thankful with having the talent back there on on the defense we actually even got a Matt Thomas sighting in that game I really love his athleticism and he was the person that closed out the game on fourth down and made that tackle short of the sticks to end the game for the Steelers this week off of what you said about Terrell Edmonds I mean he had a few games uh, this year where he missed a pretty huge one-on-one tackle and uh off of what you just said man he had that big big third down that got them off the field and and that was a big moment for him because previously he's missed those tackles so that's a huge step in the right direction for him i'm sure a huge confidence builder yes he's a heck of a player man i i really uh i'm excited i don't i don't wish injury on anybody but You know, Morgan Burnett is still out and looks like yep. he's not coming back anytime soon. So I, I would keep rocking with the rookie, man. He's a talent. Get him snaps. He's going to get better as the year goes on. He really is. As a goaltender, when I'm playing hockey and my defense isn't playing well around me, I feel like I've got to take up and, and make more plays and take up more space. And then I usually get burned trying to do that. And I can equate that directly to what, you know, a safety is feeling in this league, too. If your defense isn't making your plays and doing their assignments around you, you're trying to do too much. That's how he was a step behind on a lot of those plays earlier in the season. But when you have everybody firing and he's at the spots where he knows he has to be, he's making the plays. He's breaking up passes to Julio Jones. It's really nice to see that. And like you said, confidence is going to go a long way. And I agree with you. I I don't see them putting Burnett in the game especially after missing the first five now going on six weeks, it's, it's going to be a really tough move for them. One thing too, I, I was happy to see LJ Ford and Tyler Matikiewicz making plays in the middle as well. Yeah, man. Uh, LJ, he's been around the team for a while, really solid player. Finally got his chance to show everybody what he's capable of and he didn't miss an opportunity. So uh, credit to him. He played great. Obviously scored his first touchdown and his first start. That was Which is great. a pretty big deal. Yeah, it is. Um, so, you know, credit to him. You know, I, I, um, I'm i happy for him and uh, 
it looks like Vinny might be back this week, which is kind of surprising. So yeah. uh, we'll take it. But uh, I think you'll see them spell each other often nice. um, right in the hot hand. So we'll see. Nice. I want to give a small shout-out to Tyson Alualu. Uh, I know he was only in on about 29 plays this week, and really he didn't show up in the stat sheet at all. But one thing that I saw in the coach's film on that touchdown – T.J. Watt came in, forced the fumble. Dupree tried to scoop and knocked it into the back of the end zone. You had both L.J. Fort and Tyson Alualu trying to run for this football. Alualu saw he was losing a step on Tyson, and instead of trying to go for the ball too, he ended up going like kind of moving his body and sliding around L.J. Fort. And you could see him dig in and push L.J. Fort's body to make sure no part of L.J. Fort touched that white out-of-bounds line. And that was a heady IQ play that made sure that that play ended up being six points instead of possibly being two if he slid out of the back of that end zone. So really, really a nice heady play for Tyson, who's just grinding out and doing all the right things, even though he had a quiet day on the stat sheet. Love it. Cool. So uh, we'll move on to the injuries now, and we touched on them a little bit. Darius Hayward Bay and Morgan Burnett obviously did not practice yesterday. Uh, They didn't play the past couple games. It doesn't look like they are going to be playing again this week. LJ Fort was a new addition. I read up some reports saying he got hurt early in the first half of the game, but I know he came in and finished the game and got the touchdown, obviously, in the fourth quarter. But he's been listed with an ankle. He didn't practice yesterday. We'll have to monitor that today to see whether he's going to, if his practice then his time is going to increase, if it's just held out just for the day, just to make sure, hey, we don't want to tweak you too much. And uh, we'll see if he gets a little congratulation day off there for scoring a touchdown. But yeah, like you're saying, Vince coming back was a surprise to me. I thought that hamstring was going to be a tough injury for him to come back from. But yeah, you're right. He practiced fully yesterday as well as Terrell Edmonds, who was also listed with a calf. But it doesn't look like that's going to be keeping him out this week. Also, one quick guy I wanted to talk about, too, was Ben Roethlisberger. I know we discussed on the podcast last week, I had a hypothesis that something was still up with Ben's arm. Turns out he admitted it. Uh, He admitted it uh, yesterday on his radio show. And said, you know, that's the reason why the ball's sailing a little bit on him, uh, because I guess with that throwing motion, it's causing him a little bit of pain. But he said after the second half, he was able to adjust his throwing motion, push through it. And you could tell he was a heck of a lot more accurate in the second half than he was in the first. I mean, he really put on a clinic in the second half of that game, which is great because the Steelers really haven't had a second half to a game this season. So that was nice to see. Yeah. The thing that I was most excited about watching Ben on Sunday was that deep ball touchdown to A.B. The deep ball has eluded Ben this entire season. He just hasn't been able to connect on any of his deep throws, and that was right on the money. So um, that hopefully uh, is a good time moving forward because we have a lot of weapons, and I think we need to start taking advantage of them deep. Maybe we see a little James Washington uh, this week, which I'd like to see a little (laughs) bit more in the offense. Great point. Now we're going to roll on to the uh, podcast question from SteelerNation.com football forum. Come join us for the best football discussion on the internet. There we had Drink Iron City asks us to explain the franchise tag and how it affects Bell's status. Well, the franchise tag, the way it sits today is he is under the franchise tag. He can only play on that franchise tag for this season. He cannot sign a multi-year deal. He cannot sign an extension because the uh, July 15th deadline for being able to sign a long-term contract had passed. So since it's past July 15th, he cannot get a new contract. He's stuck into that tag. So what does that mean as far as for him and his relation with the team? As we know, each game that he sits out, 
he's missing a paycheck. He's missing $855,000 each week. When he comes back, then he's playing under the tag, and he's locked into that tag this season. Yeah, and the other thing, too, uh, under the franchise tag, he can't sign with anybody else. True. And he also can't be traded unless he signs the franchise tag contract. And here's something that I really wanted to talk with you, too, Brad. I saw something out of Mike Tomlin that really we haven't seen before. You've got Captain Cool Shades losing his cool on the roughing the passer calls in his post-game presser and just describing, just saying, hey, look, people lose their jobs over this. Uh, people are losing games over this. And, you know, he's criticizing the refs. And he got fined, but he showed some fire. I mean, this is a, like the first time I've really seen him get pissed about something to quote him. Yeah, I mean, it was interesting because we won the game. You yeah. know, uh, generally you, you expect him to be agitated and heated after we lose. You know, I would have expected that after, you know, the Cleveland game or the the Baltimore game the previous week. Correct. I mean, but we we spanked the Falcons, <laughs> absolutely destroyed them. Yeah. And he's, you know, really heated and, you know, calling out the NFL, which he's right. I mean, the, the call on T.J. Uh, Watt was just embarrassing. T.J. Um, Watt did exactly you know, they, what you're supposed to do in that situation to completely avoid hitting that quarterback in the knees to end his career. Agreed. Agreed. And, and you know, I mean, I, I don't disagree with anything Mike said. And, yeah. you know, honestly, I think the NFL needs to up their game because he was right. And uh, yeah. I think instead of, you know, finding him, I think they should uh, allocate, you know, their resources to maybe doing a better job officiating these games. So, you know, whatever. You know, at the end of the day, I, I hope Tomlin continues to speak up and speak out about it because, Right now, it's an issue for all 32 teams. Yeah. So um, they, they just need to do a better job, period. I will credit them every week. It seems there are less and less personal fouls and roughing the passers. Mm. Um, there were no roughing the passers this past week yeah. for uh, body weight, which yeah. was um, you know a big issue the previous week. Nice. So they, they are doing a better job. They still can do a better job. So hopefully that trend continues. And I'm with you as well. It seems odd to me that sportscasters and even, you know, reporters on NFL.com, they're allowed to slam the refs. And they're correctly slamming the refs for the wrong calls at the wrong time. I know they have Mike Piera, and he seems to just parrot what the league says. Oh, yeah, that shouldn't have been called. Or sometimes he comes out and, and disagrees with the league in a very monotone, slightly not as not as a more convoluted way, so you're not thinking about it as clearly. But this is a problem, and with Mike Tomlin is fortunately on the competition committee, and I honestly think he needs to bring up the competition committee, not just the fact that the referees are making the wrong calls. Is I think something needs to be start right now in the league that there has to be some kind of repercussion for a referee that's making a bad call. You've got to start being able to do a report on the refs or something has to change. And the only way you're going to change something is to say, look, we, we've got to start reviewing the refs and giving real answers and not this parroted league answer of there's no problem. They're doing everything right. And I just cannot accept that anymore from the commissioner. To be honest, I, they are absolutely reviewing the referees. Um, but, but as the NFL, would you air your dirty laundry? saying, hey, we suck, we've done a bad job, and so-and-so's been, you know, fined or fired. I mean, they're, they're not going to do that because that's bad press. They have bad press enough from 
you know, player and coach antics. So they're not going to come out and say, uh, our one job of fishing games, we're doing that poorly. So I guarantee you, you know, referees are getting fined. I guarantee you some are being sat down and yeah. maybe getting a week off for that, a poor yeah, refereeing. That's, that's but big. my thing is the competition committee should look at reviewing penalties. Yeah, uh, That will slow the game down. But like challenges, I think you should get two. Yeah, and I think they go to video review, and same as challenges. If you get it right, you gain, mm-hmm. you know, you gain uh, a challenge, so to speak, a review, whatever. Yeah. But like Thomas said, these these poor calls are costing games, and they're costing people their jobs. So I agree, they need to do a better job. But mm-hmm. I I don't necessarily agree with the fact that they're not doing that. I think they hundred percent are. But as a business owner, yeah. You know, especially one the size of the NFL, the commissioner is not going to put more bad PR out there and give more uh, fuel to the fire, so to speak. They 100%, I guarantee you, are getting reviewed. I already know they do grade the referees to a point of the best referees statistically on the season end up being the playoff refs, and then the top refs in the league are in the Super Bowl. So that does work, and that's been in place for years. I'm not asking the league to be perfect. I'm just asking for some accountability as well. For doing the review thing, I love that idea too. Throwing flags, challenge penalties, and having to go straight up to the box, that might be able to speed up the process a little quicker so that the only thing that the referee has to do is just, you know, hear back in the mic, yeah, yeah, you know, you guys got that one, or no, he was nowhere near it. Something has to be able to help because it's it's costing games, like Tomlin said, and ultimately it's going to cost people jobs. I know yeah. we're, we've also been talking this entire season, it seems like, just like last season, something happens each week that is kind of a distraction on the team. This week, another perfect example, uh, Antonio Brown is sued for technically, for, for what I hear, for throwing furniture out of a window. What have you heard on that, Brad? Apparently, uh, Antonio Brown lost his cool sometime in April. There was a big disturbance at his uh, Miami apartment or condo, and he threw a fit and apparently destroyed the apartment, breaking mirrors and walls and all kinds of other stuff and throwing furniture off his 14th floor apartment and uh, apparently uh, nearly killing a uh, 22-month-old kid, the uh, grandfather of that kid, who is a big Miami real estate mogul, is the one suing Antonio Brown. So uh, this guy is very, very wealthy. And apparently he spent some time in the military uh, overseas. Mm. So this is not a guy who uh, is going to go away quietly. Let's put it that way. So we don't know what's true. AB came out and said it's false and blah, blah, blah. Mm. You know, the whole thing is just just crazy. Like you said, it's unfortunate. Every single week there's something else. Yeah. And it's just, it's getting just ridiculous, to be quite honest. And whether it's true or not, this is not the kind of stuff, especially after a big win that you need heading into this week. So it's just unfortunate. And to be honest, I'm tired of it. It's odd this week, too. Like, AB's got a trifecta of off field incidents. He had the throwing the apartment, the furniture out the window. He also reported his Rolls Royce stolen. And then when the cops came to take a report, he wouldn't answer the door. He wouldn't come to the door. He filed a report stating that $80,000 in cash was stolen along with a nine millimeter handgun. These are a little concerning as a Steeler fan. Obviously. Uh, I don't know what he's doing down there in Miami (laughs) to have $80,000 in a handgun uh, in a closet. But this stuff is not the type of thing that Steeler fans obviously want to get excited about. We want to get excited about 
Antonio Brown scoring touchdowns, making big plays on the field, and celebrating so we can celebrate along with them. Yeah, the the most concerning thing is the fact that the NFL has said that they are investigating these charges. If they turn out to be somewhat true, AB may be penalized, fined, or suspended. So um, that's obviously something the Steelers can't afford. It's just unfortunate. I don't want to spend too much time talking about it because yeah, we don't neither. know how it's going to turn out. <laughs> me but neither. it's just drama and, and negativity that the locker room now has to deal with and answer questions about. So A.B., I hope for his sake and, and the team's sake, comes out and has a big game for Cincinnati because with the drama and negativity surrounding him right now, he needs some good vibes. He does. Well, let's turn the channel and start talking about the Cincy game. I mean, we have... Two teams that are not only looking to beat each other, but beat the crap out of each other. This is always going to be an MMA fight. What are you looking to see here today going into this game, Brad? I want to see the Steelers stack some wins. They haven't been able to do that this year. And uh, like you mentioned early on, we have three straight AFC North Big. matchups. Big matchups. So yeah. this is huge for obviously potentially winning the division, but also... These are three games we can't afford to lose in general. So I think the Steelers have to come out and continue the momentum and stack them win. The Bengals this past weekend, they didn't play great. They won uh, courtesy of two back-to-back defensive touchdowns, it seems. Yeah, um, yeah. Which really quickly, pretty, too. Pretty, pretty awful, to be honest, out of Miami. I mean, they kind of gave that game away. It is what it is. They got the W, so props to them. But uh, the Steelers need to come in. They need to protect the football. They need to be balanced on offense. And we saw how successful that was. And yeah. uh, like I said, win the game. Yeah, and on, on defense, I know they've got Geno Atkins, who's tied with with the Watt brothers at six sacks for the, for league lead. And so we've got another pass rusher that the Steelers really got to keep a, an eye on. And also Carlos Dunlap has got four as well. So that's 10 sacks right there on the line you got to look out for. Those two guys have always been really, really great, solid players for the Bengals. So that interior of the O-line, I think, will be uh, ready to go and uh, hopefully uh, quiet the storm a little bit. You've got Nick Vigil. He's uh, third in the league right now in tackles. you got Vontaze Perfect coming back in the league. He had seven tackles, seven combined tackles last week uh, after his four-game PED suspension, but... You know, when he's in the game, it changes the whole demeanor of the game. You're playing not only to try to beat the other team and try to score, but you're playing to stay on your feet and stay alive. It's unfortunate because, you know, Vontez is a uh, really talented athlete. He um, but when he uh, when he plays the game, he does not play it with honor. He kind of plays a little dirty. Yeah. And he tries to intentionally hurt players. That's just not how you should play the game. The guy's been suspended enough for his track record to back up these statements. Yeah. I mean, Juju last game laid him out. <laughs> um, so what, I, one I of the highlights Juju, of Steeler Nation. Have, <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, but, you know, Juju needs to have his head on a swivel because yeah. Montez is the type of guy who will come back for revenge. So yeah. I really hope uh, Juju is prepared and, and Montez doesn't take another cheap shot. But that's a tough ask when you're talking about Montez. So. We'll see. Uh, he's a good player. We need to be smart with the football, and James needs to protect the football when running because he's certainly going to try to punch it out or rip it out. So yeah. he needs to kind of do the two-hand you know, cover-up that he's been doing and yep. really hold on to that football. 
because the uh, past few weeks he did he did have a fumble. Yes, this he did. Past week. Yes, he did. Um, and it, uh, we were very lucky that it uh, shot right went out, out of bounds. bounds. Yeah. But uh, he needs to be really, really cognizant of that, especially for a great defense like Cincinnati. One thing about Vontae's that I just cannot stand about the guy is what he does after the whistle, and it really pisses me off at times because. We got a spot, you know, what was it, last year, two years ago, where he's tackling Cam Newton after Cam Newton scores a touchdown, and he looks like an alligator doing a roll trying to rip flesh off of a beast when he's trying to twist his, his ankle off. And I'm like, how the heck yeah. does a guy like this even stay in the league? I remember when Bell got hurt the one year, he comes and he lands on him out of bounds after Bell's already tackled by another player, and bam, there goes his, there goes his knee. He was done for the rest of the year. Yep. We knew what he did to A.B. in that playoff game where he went straight for his head, knocked him out of the playoffs, and it really hurt the Steelers' chances to go into the Super Bowl that season. This guy, he's he just gets unhinged. I mean, you even got Ravens fans screaming about this guy. This is a guy that took off Max Williams' head after he scores a touchdown. He plays the game like he's on the street and like he's got to defend his house against invaders. I mean, the guy is just... Probably the most ruthless player I've seen. I mean, there's a lot of parallels you can draw to James Harrison, but I at least knew James Harrison wasn't going to hit you after the whistle or he wasn't going to try to rip your leg off after the whistle. He was going to hit you as hard as yeah. he could during those whistles. And that's just the uh, difference. Yeah, I never, I never looked at James as a dirty player, though. No. I mean, he had a lot of big hits, which, which hurt players. Yes. But I, I never looked at him as a as a intentional dirty player the Vontez thing once again we're, we're giving this this guy too much uh, screen time so to say so yeah i think we should move on <laughs> but uh yeah he, he he'll be an issue we just got to be uh ready and take him uh into consideration their defense is not so great they're eighth worst in yardage but you know then again the steelers are fourth worst the offenses should have a chance of moving the ball against each other but we'll have to see this week. On offense, they're a great scoring offense, and so are the Steelers. Uh, Bengals are fourth in the league in scoring. Steelers are fifth. They're under a full point on average, so this is going to be a, a tight game in that way. The Steelers are also leading the league in sacks right now with 19. So Andy Dalton is not only going to have to make sure he gets that ball out quickly, but he's got to make sure that he has the, the protection lined up in front of him properly because it's going to be a long day, especially if, since they might be missing their starting center this week. Uh, it looks like Billy Price has a foot. Uh, Giovanni Bernard also hurt with a knee. It doesn't look like either of those two are playing. So he needs all the help he can get. Hopefully Mixon is, is, is going to be able to help him out and alleviate some of that pressure or give him a safety valve so he can get that ball out quickly. The bigger issue, I think, with Cincinnati are their receivers. Indeed. Uh, John Ross, very quick, speedy guy who hasn't really done a lot the past few years, but has actually started out the season quite well yeah. this year. I think he'll be an interesting matchup. You may see Mike Hilton on him. You may see Artie Burns on him. But like I mentioned early, I hope uh, Joe Hayden shadows A.J. Green the entire yeah. game. I, I have so much respect for A.J. Green. and. I'll tell you one thing. I'm actually a fan of his just because I'm a fan of receivers being a receiver growing up through high school. I mean, this guy, he does everything right. He is big. He's tall. He's rangy. He has the longest arms I've ever seen on a receiver. And when he catches a ball, it's like he's cradling a baby every time. I mean, I'm watching the, the replay of the game yesterday. And I can tell he's caught the ball without seeing his number, without who it is, just by the way he catches the ball. He, he seems to envelop around the ball every time. And he's got some of the best, softest hands in the league. And he's just, 
a treasure to watch if you're really a fan of receivers. I mean, uh, for me, he's right up with Larry Fitzgerald, the way that they catch and envelop that ball with those soft hands and those long arms. Tyler Boyd also is, is a very dangerous receiver there as well. I know Ross, he might not be playing. He's dealing with a little bit of an injury, and you're, you're right. He's got all the potential in the world. He just hasn't really shown up in games yet. But you also have Joe Mixon, who's able to come in and, and, and make some plays out of the backfield. And right now, he's, he's top three in yardage per game, even though he's only played in about two or three games right now. He's an impactful player once he does get on the field. And fortunately, the Steelers will not be dealing with Tyler Eifert. Again, unfortunately for him, having injury concerns throughout his career, he's now on IR again, and he was the person that they put on injured reserve when they called up Perfect last week. Yeah, it's unfortunate for Tyler. He's a heck of a tight end and has just had a lot of bad luck when it comes to injuries. Because he's a Pro Bowl caliber tight end and and a big playmaker when he's in there and he's healthy. Yeah. Looking at this game then, what should the Steelers do to attack this team? To have a balanced attack. I balance, think they need balance, to establish balance. the run yep. early. Yep. And I think Ben needs to use his checkdowns, which he did a lot more last week. Yep. But I think he also missed some checkdowns, uh, specifically on the interception he threw in the end zone. James Conner was wide open at like the two yard line. Yes. Um, just sitting there and he could have very much you know, caught the ball, turned, and lunged into the end zone with his physicality. So, mm. um, you know, I think Ben needs to be a little bit more aware. Ben obviously does a really great job when, when Le'Veon was in there, uh, always utilizing him. So he's getting more comfortable with James, which is great. Yeah. Um, honestly, I, I can't recall more than maybe once or twice that James has dropped a pass. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's credit to him. He's really gotten a lot better catching football. So I would utilize him. Don't force throws. Yeah. Um, obviously, James is cool. He makes people miss. So, you know, very much like Le'Veon Bell. So we, we need we need to establish the run, utilize the rock and flat, uh, the dump balls. So just do that and be smart. Mm. And I think if we have a balanced attack and the defense can, you know, not give up, a, you know, 21 points early and be, uh, <laughs> you know, difficult, I think, I, think, uh, I think we'll be in good shape. Just don't turn the ball over. And I really love what Randy Fickner is starting to do here on offense. He's doing a great job of starting to mix in different personnel. I mean, we've got the two running backs on the field with Knicks and Connor. When we're going big, we can throw in two or three tight ends who are all have the ability to block and are and can catch the ball down the field to create some really interesting mismatches if you decide to go to play action out of those sets. Plus, they're, he's doing a good job of rotating in different receivers. If we if we want to go for the tougher yardage, he brings in Switzer to come across the middle. If we want to go for the longer plays, we got Washington running down the field, and we got Juju and, and, and A.B. So mixing up these packages and keeping their defense on their heels, I think is going to be a, a huge part, and you're starting to see it now, fortunately, uh, since the Steelers aren't playing with that big deficit that you mentioned. It really opens up their offense, and they're allowed to do a lot more. Now, on the defensive side of the field, I've made a correlation. I've done a lot of research. I even have an article coming about out about this at 5 o'clock tonight when everybody gets off of work. When you've got the dynamic duo of Hayden and Hilton on the field at the same time, this defense is an incredible defense. The defense has only allowed 37 points when they're playing together, and conversely, the offense has scored 92 points. 14 of those points coming from defensive touchdowns. And when only one of them is on the field, offenses 
the offenses that we played against have scored 96 points against us versus the Steelers only being able to put up 51. I mean, that's a huge, huge difference. You're talking about better coverage, yeah. equaling more turnovers and more time for the linebackers and the defensive linemen to get in there to, to the quarterback. And look, it's no coincidence that five of TJ Watts, six sacks have come with Hilton and Hayward back there roaming the secondary. You got more time for the defense to do their job, more time to get to the quarterback, rushing the quarterback, which creates rush throws, more turnovers, which gives the offense more possessions in a shorter field. I mean, it's this has been a, a, a complete turnaround when you get those two on the field. That Atlanta game was the first game they both played an entire game together, and I'm looking forward to their second game here against Cincy. So do you have any predictions? How do you see this game going then, Brad? You know what, man? Uh, I, I like what I saw last week. Uh, we're entering the game relatively healthy. Yeah. So I'm taking the Steelers 24 to 20. Ooh, nice. And I, I feel like the, the defense will have to make a stop on the last drive to uh, secure the win. To me, this is close to a 40-point-a-game offense. And against that defense that I see in Cincinnati this week that lets up a, a lot of yardage, I could see this being another big game for Big Ben and the boys. I can see them putting up 42 points again this week. And with the defense having Hayden Hilton, they're not going to put up more than 17. I see this as a blowout. I really do. In my eyes to being what we just saw at the Atlanta game, hopefully that's the way it turns out. We all know turnovers are the great equalizer. And got to make sure you hang on to that football. And your special teams have to be firing as well. Unfortunately, Steelers special teams last week, they killed it. The punting game was killing it. The coverage teams, both on the kickoffs and the punts, meant that the Atlanta Falcons didn't start a single drive over the 25 last week. You've got them blocking a punt on the coverage teams. I mean, they were doing just about everything except for, you know, unfortunately, Boz missed one of his his first uh, extra point. But fortunately, he made the next five because the Steelers got to kick six of them last week. Hopefully they just keep they keep churning. And as long as they're not making mistakes, I just don't see this as being a close game. Brad, hey, I'll take it. I know. <laughs> right? So, Brad. What's your hot take this week? What do you have in Steeler news that you want to share with Steeler Nation? Recent reports have said that Le'Veon Bell is going to show up for the week seven really? bye, yeah. which yeah. would be after this game. There are some reports that he may show up today on Friday. So wow. that is something uh, that they were asking Ben this week, how that will affect Connor's carries. Yeah. And I think Ben made a statement, and uh, Ben was like, this should have no bearing or effect on James Carey's, mm -hmm. which is basically saying, like, this is this is my guy, this is our guy, and we're riding with him. I think everyone will take Le'Veon Bell as a uh, backup uh, and replacing Stephen Ridley. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a nice one-two punch. Yep. Um, but Bell's been out for so long, it would just be really stupid to just plug him in there as the starter and assume he's in football shape. I think it would be a dynamic, even more dynamic offense with, imagine uh, Bell out wide and Connor in the backfield. So yes. I, I, <laughs> I really think that could be an interesting sandbox to play in. But it'll be interesting to see if he shows up like he said he's going to. Oh. We've all heard the fact that he said he was going to show up with one and didn't and whatever. Mm. But uh, I'm curious to see how this affects the team moving forward. Hopefully we win this week. We would have now had two wins in a row. The good vibes, the good energy, the momentum as a coach, as an owner. Mm. I mean, do you really want a guy like Le'Veon Bell back in the locker room, especially when you guys are trying to really gain momentum and find your identity? I hope that doesn't affect the locker room negatively because there's so much drama as it is yeah. surrounding this guy. And uh, 
a lot of players are still pissed about it. So I don't know, man. It, it's going to be interesting, but we're the, the time's here. We're here now. So yep. once yep. we wrap up the game on Sunday, uh, they don't practice Monday, but I would not be surprised if, if Bell comes in Monday or Tuesday and signs the uh, franchise tag and uh, gets ready to go. Next week's the bye. Yes. But, uh, it'll get him back and going and uh, hopefully playing catch-up. So we'll see. Now, he does have until Saturday, I think it's 4 o'clock or 5 o'clock is the deadline on Saturday. If he signs with the Steelers before that time, he, of course, gets the game check for this week uh, but and is then is eligible to play in the game. If he signs after that time, it means he does not get his game check. He's not eligible for the game. And right now, he's already given the Steelers back $4.2 million. He holds out another game. It's $5 million. So it's interesting yeah, just against and, the salary cap. And the other thing, too, I think we have to take into consideration is the Steelers can't apply for a two-week exemption, oh, yeah. which would obviously set him back another, you know, two game checks and another two weeks of him, you know, hoping to get some statistics for himself. So mm. uh, I, I don't know how this is going to go. It's going to be really interesting. Yeah, um, and one but, uh, one interesting aspect too, Brad. I mean, he's signing. Of course, we are expecting him to sign during the bye week. He even came out and said he's signing during the bye week uh, last week. But he still has until, or the team, the Steelers still have until October thirtieth. That's the NFL trade deadline. Do you see it? The, the Steelers possibly moving him because they're afraid of maybe him not being in shape. They're afraid of the off on field distractions or possibly the locker room distractions derailing this team. From what we've heard, they are actively trying to trade him. But once again, that's a two-person deal. So the other side has to bring you know the goods to the table. And uh, right now, the asking price is very high. They want a second-round pick and a quote-unquote good player. Yeah. So uh, that's a that's a big price for a guy who uh, is talented, but also will be 27 to start next year. Has the two bit uh, big bad knee injuries in his career and a lot of off-the-field drama. I'm sure there will be a team who will attempt to sign him after this year and will pay the big the big bucks that he's asking for, but I, I just feel like a trade is going to be really difficult. I mean, Philadelphia has been thrown around yeah. Um, the yeah. last few weeks, but now with Jay Ajahi you know, being placed on injured reserve, yeah, you're right. I think you know that that could be a dancing partner, but once again, the price is very high. Yeah, and I mean, who would you even want from the Eagles? Yeah. it'd be tough. I, I mean, they tough, they do have Fletcher Fletcher Cox in the middle as a great linebacker, but you're you're also talking about the interesting thing that they did do, make, making play, uh, pundits and fans think that the writing may be on the wall. They restructured Cox's contract to create some room. So it looks like the Eagles are prepared to make a move somewhere. I don't know if it necessarily means with the Steelers to, to free up space for him, but something you yeah, usually don't free up a contract mid season like this, unless you're planning on making well, a move. Well, I think they will make a move, but I doubt it'll be with the Steelers. Mm -hmm. um, they've also reached out to Arizona about David Johnson, yeah. and they apparently also reached out to Buffalo Bills about Shady McCoy. Getting Shady so, back. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so that'll be really interesting. I mean, they have they have their choices. Yeah, um, it depends what the asking price is for the other teams. Mm. The asking price right now for the Steelers is very, very high, and uh, I think it'll just be difficult to get that deal done. But honestly, like I said, if if you're Mike Tomlin or Kevin Colbert or the Rooney's in general, 
I, I don't know if he wants this negativity back in the locker room. You know, Bell being outspoken about how he wants the ball and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I don't want it, you know? Yeah. I, I really don't. I, and Connor has proved himself, mm-hmm. and he will continue to get better, which uh, people need to take into consideration who are still on the Le'Veon bandwagon. But uh, that ship has sailed for me. I'm all Connor Strong, so let's ride it. Hey, Brad, great insights, and thank you again for joining us on the podcast today. Seriously, thank you for taking time out of your day to join us. These are always fun conversations, man. Always, man. I appreciate it. No worries. Thanks for joining us on the SteelerNation.com podcast, sponsored by Stoney's Brewing. If you want to come and join us at SteelerNation.com for great Steeler news, great forum discussion. The football forum is one of the most insightful forums on the Internet. So please come and join us at SteelerNation.com and join in the conversation. I'm G. Stryker with Brad Lambert, rooting along with you as always, and go Steelers!